Welcome to Your Pathways to Wealth, where Charlie Massimo and Peter Anastasian are on a mission to bring clarity to the world of finances. Together, they bring a wealth of knowledge to help you uncover a way to simplify your financial life. Join Charlie and Peter and their guest experts as they venture to help you preserve what you've built and enjoy what you've earned. Now, let's talk wealth. Charlie Massimo and Peter Anastasian know that we don't know. None of us knows when the stock market will do whatever it is it will do. And that's an argument for diversification. I'm Patrice Sakora, And Charlie, I know I told you this just before we started recording, but I love your title for this episode, Diversification and the Gift of Unknowing. Explain, please. It, it, it's really exactly that. I think we, nor anyone else, knows What's going to happen next? I mean, we've had so many, we we say there's always a black swan event waiting to happen. We just don't know when it will happen, um, how how deeply it will happen, and, and how we'll be impacted by it. But we know it's there, and that's why diversification is so vitally important. Well, let's first discuss what diversification is and what it is. Let's go there. Sure. And I think diversification is one of those words in investing that's thrown around from everyone, every advisor, most investors, but so few really practice diversification in the way it was meant to be. So we will, we might see prospects that come to us and say, look, I own you know 20 different mutual funds. And we've talked a little bit about this in past episodes. And we peel back the layers on on, on the funds and they all own the same stocks, you know, whether Microsoft, Apple, it, does, it, it really doesn't matter. Or other people think, well, I'm diversified amongst advisors. To me, that's the most puzzling thing in, a, a, an investor can say. What do you mean you're diversified amongst advisors? And what does that really mean? I mean, we 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 have the same market. We're a conduit to the same markets. It's not like an advisor has a different market than we do. So people just don't really understand what diversification means. And when Peter and I look at it, you know, there's, there's there's the quantifiable reason why we diversify, which we'll talk about, and then there's the philosophical reason why we diversify, and that goes part into the gift of the unknowing, which we'll also discuss a little bit. <laughs> okay, you know, and I've never heard it said that way, but you're absolutely right. Diversification through advisors that really does not make sense because they don't know what each other is doing. And don't you want your advisor to know what is happening? You know, it's it's so true. And Peter and I somewhat bang our heads against the wall every time we hear this. And, you know, there's so many analogies we can use. You know, I built a home two years ago. Did I use two builders to diversify my risk? Do I use two landscapers? Do I use two plumbers? I mean, this whole concept of diversifying professionals yeah, to me, just really makes no sense. And to your point, Patrice, if if there's no communication um, between all the different people in the parties, you're actually increasing your risk, not decreasing your risk. Agreed. Peter, you got some thoughts? Yeah, I think it's common practice that we all want to be right in a way, right, as, as humans. And so diversification, we love the concept as humans. We think it's great. We think it helps protect us. But Keeping disciplined in that fashion becomes very, very difficult because, look, there's always the allure of striking it big by not being diversified. But we have to look at the tail end of that and really understand the risks associated with that part of it. All right. Now, 
I know you've mentioned this in the past, but I think these numbers are worth repeating too. Just about 4% of stocks created all the wealth of the stock market since 1926. Take that further. That That's a, uh, um, um, a startling fact, and it is a fact that 4% of the stocks created. Just think about that. The thousands of stocks is only 4%. But let's, again, even bring it closer. You know, since 1989, it's about 20% of the stocks have created all the wealth. And then when you think about it even further, well, there's 20%. Over any 20-year period, there's only about, I guess that's about one-fifth of all stocks not only outperform, but only one-fifth actually survive Hmm. over any 20-year period. And and the chance of the same 20% repeating over the next 20 years is only about 30%. And the stocks which underperformed for the past 20 years have the same 30% chance of outperforming over the next 20 years. So in other words, winners have you know the same likelihood than, than losers to beat the market in the future. So why are we spending so much time and so much effort, whether it's an advisor or an investor, and in trying to figure out which stocks will beat the market or where the economy will go. It's such it's such a waste of time. And when you think it's such a small, minute percentage of stocks, and I know everyone's going to say, well, yeah, well, Apple, Microsoft, but Apple and Microsoft have come down and come down significantly. And, you know, great companies like GE. I mean, you, if you put right. all your money in GE right. 20 years ago, you still haven't made your money back and you're waiting. I know that's Peter's one of Peter's favorite stocks. And he always tells me that um, <laughs> because it's up, I think, 50 percent this year you know, went from ten dollars to you know twelve dollars. But my, my my point is, when there's so few stocks, you know, diversification is, is what makes someone successful or what makes someone as an investor unsuccessful. And the worst case is you can lose all your money by not understanding diversification. And I think Charlie brings up a great point, because if you go back in history, and as Charlie brought up the 1920s and so on with the markets, you know, companies back then, first off, the number of companies were nowhere near the number of companies there are today, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, the, the competition didn't exist nearly as much as it does today. Information that's around us did not exist and so on. And yet these companies were built for the next 100 years. Charlie and I talk about it all the time. You look at companies like Ford, you know, family-owned businesses, Walmart, and so on. You know, some exist, some don't. But there are many, many names out there over the past 100 years that have gone by the wayside, unfortunately. And the industry has certainly shifted more so towards the private equity side of things where, look, the reality is these companies are built to be turned around, you know, every five to seven years. And that's known. That's not something that's not known. And so it truly becomes when the next ownership change occurs, how likely and how capable are they to continue down the path of growth? And how do you look at that? Because you don't even know who's going to get in there and start the bidding war. Who's going to buy them up? Exactly. I mean, look, we all have our own opinions. And, you know, my mother always said when I was younger, I was always wanted to be right. And I would always argue with her and I'd say, no, that's not right. But um, <laughs> um, but the reality is we want to be right. We want to be right. We, the companies we pick today, we want to feel as if we know what's going to occur. But the reality is a market is a market. Someone's selling to us and someone's going to buy it. If there's more buyers than sellers, the value goes up and vice versa. So 
it's not as if to say we, anybody knows. It's just more of where is the masses, where are the masses going to shift? Mm -hmm. And so if anyone could predict that, look, no one could predict the weather a week from today. So how can you predict where the market's going to go a month, six months, or even a year out? Yeah. And and that plays into the whole fact we don't even know what we don't know. Think of COVID. We, we, we yeah. had no idea. Mm -hmm. What is it? You know, where's it going to end up? And as I said before, all of life is a black swan event. So we really only have to accept this as an advisor and investor in order to clearly see what our two choices are. One is, you know, whether they say insanity is doing the same thing and thinking results will be different. Well, we can keep trying to pick individual stocks, but the results will be the same. We, we have almost 100 years of data to prove that when we just you know, showed the fact since 1926, only about 4%. Yet why do people want to refute this or try to fight it? And we know why a lot of advisors want to. I mean, that's how, let's face it, the Merrill Lynch's and the Smith Barney's of the world, where Peter and I came out of, they want to prove they're smarter than the market, which is why you pay them, you know, all these fees. But it's been proven, whether it's Warren Buffett, Eugene Fama, which is a Nobel laureate, mm -hmm. uh, and a prize winner in economics, um, Peter Lynch will even tell you the great, you know, manager of the Fidelity Magellan Fund. They'll all tell you there is not one person smarter than the market. And if there were, don't you think Goldman Sachs would find that person and pay him a boatload of money to do it? You would think, and they could do it too. <laughs> they could, but it's just it's 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 not it's not there. And and that's why we practice discipline diversification which puts our theory of unknowability into practice. And again, we diversify, diversify because we do not know. And as we said, we can use any market crash as an example of that. All right, you got diversification and you've got your asset allocation. Talk to me about that function. Well, they somewhat all play in, you know, one together, one, they play in concert with, with one another. You know, asset allocations is, you know, how much stocks to bonds. And even in bonds, you diversify because bonds can default. Mm -hmm. So you need to own a lot of bonds to protect yourself against that. And again, we don't know what the next 20% move will be. We may favor value stocks, but that we don't have no way of knowing if value will outperform growth, if large will outperform small, if bonds will outperform equities or vice versa. So because we don't know, we own it all. When we build a portfolio for clients, we own thousands and thousands of stocks and bonds. And, and, and why we do that, just think about, it. let's say you loaded up with Silicon Valley Bank just a few weeks ago, or 20 to 30% of your portfolio was dominated by regional banks. You're, you're really hurting and, and, and catching up is going to be very difficult. Did we own Silicon Valley Bank? But it was, yes, but it was less than 0.01% of our portfolios because that's where diversification is. And, and, and people think, well, diversification is gonna mute my returns. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Actually, if I show you diversified portfolios over time versus the S&P over 10, 20 years, returns are almost the same. Just the diversified portfolio is a much smoother ride to get there. And and, and there's a saying you know, that we go by, you know, the, the markets are an extension of mother nature, right? You know, there's always the saying, don't fight mother nature. And any seasoned swimmer will come out there, you know, when anyone goes out in the ocean and will say, don't fight the current. You have to sort of be calm and relaxed and let the, you know, if there's a threat of you drowning and 
you know, let, let it take you out and then go sideways and come back in. The markets are no different. We have to accept volatility. We have to accept the fact that the markets will go up and down. But the more we fight against it and we say, I picked this stock and I know this is the best company out there. But if you're the only one that believes that, then what are you really risking? You're truly risking your financial life. And is it really worth it to say that you were right? Wow. How did you guys come to this philosophy? By losing, uh, for me personally, and and I tell this to a lot, by losing all of my own money, Mm -hmm. uh, by, by thinking that picking individual stocks or loading up in the technology sector was the way to go because that's what I was taught. You're taught you're taught to listen to the investment bankers who are making a ton of money from their clients, and they're going to tell you which is the right stock or the right sector. And and again, I go back to I don't care how good of a stock it is, stocks come down. I remember in 2000, Microsoft lost 50 percent of its value. It took right. 10 years. 10 years for Microsoft to get back to its high. That's a long time to wait. So even if you are one who says, I'm going to pick great stocks, you have to be incredibly patient to even reap the rewards of of one individual stock, even if you can do that. So how did we learn? We learned through practice. We learned through making our own mistakes. And and it's it's the reality of the markets. There's, There's no other way to look at it. Do clients ever argue with you? Absolutely. You know, you, <laughs> you know, when they, you know, when they argue is when their neighbor bought Apple and now, you know, uh-huh. you know, they're sitting with, you know, a huge capital gain, but, but, but one, you don't really, you don't know how long it took them to get that capital gain or how many loses they got, you know, they had to experience before they found that one winner. But even if you're lucky enough to find one winner, one winner, is the risk worth it? I mean, it's just, I just, sometimes I just don't understand the, the mindset of the individual investor. Peter. Yeah. Again, as Charlie mentioned, what ends up happening is your emotions continue to become amplified. Look, if your whole portfolio is your 80% of your portfolio is on one company or one stock. I mean, think about how emotionally you're going to be when earnings are coming out. Or if something goes bad, or there's a manufacturing issue, or there's a recall. I mean, do you really want to go through life or even more so retirement in that way? And and not only that, at the same token, you may say, well, all right, this is great, but now I stopped working. So how do I turn these dollars into income? You know, it's easy to say, well, I just buy and hold, buy and hold, which is great. Yes, with the market, certainly, because dividends are there and so on. But when it's one or two individual stocks and that represents a large portion of your overall liquid assets, again, you're going into retirement for 30, 40 years and you're betting that that company, as we mentioned, it's going to change ownership. Are they going to be around for those that period of time? You know, do people ever argue with us clients? And and they do, but you know, we're not in the we're not in the business to convince anyone. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. The, the the facts are there. The numbers are there. I mean, if you go to a doctor and he says, if you want to stay healthy, stop smoking, you know, eat right and exercise. Who's going to argue with that? It's a truism. True. Yeah. yeah. As, as diversification is is a truism. When do you think advisors realize, oh, my gosh, I took the wrong philosophy here. I, I did not diversify. 
and then a bear market hits. Do you, do you think they they stay? Do they last or do they just kind of burn out? I, I think most advisors who don't accept this whole issue of diversification and the gift of a knowing act, will eventually burn out. And some will burn out very quickly because bear markets happen very soon in their career, or some will burn out later because they'll go through the last, I guess, five, six, seven, eight years of great markets and didn't prepare themselves, didn't prepare right. their clients, then boom, uh, you know, people lost. You know, Peter and I say this, you know, if you own Netflix, last year, you you lost four years of earnings in one year, four years of growth in one year with mm -hmm. what happened in Netflix. So yeah, advisors, most advisors don't last and bear markets are good for our industry for a couple of reasons. One is it really, it really um, um, minimizes the advisors that should not be in the big business to begin with. And you yeah. just made a really great point there. Sorry, Peter. Advisors have to prepare themselves. Many of them may not do that. Correct. Yeah, and you know there is an inherent risk with with advisors and in, in rather not risk, but more so an inherent conflict. And the conflict is, look, depending on where they are in their stage and in, in their career, the reality is they need clients, right? Someone who's starting out fresh versus someone who is more seasoned and been around for a long time. But at the same token, they recognize, or, you know, some advisors recognize, hey, look, you know what, I'm going to go down the path of least resistance. And, and that may not be the right approach. And it isn't the right approach, but many do it, unfortunately. And the reality is, let me give something that people want and want to believe. I know the next stock that's going to do best. I'm going to pick the next best money manager because that's what the investor wants. Not the best thing for them, but that's what they want. And that's where we, we butt heads a little bit you know, with people that we meet at times because Unfortunately, it's a natural progression. Some will never learn that that doesn't exist. It's like you know, trying to find the golden goose egg. You'll never find it. Some people refuse to accept that that doesn't exist, and others will. And there's an in-between. So the earlier an investor accepts that, the better off they will be in the long term. But the reality is it could take years. It could take decades. It's anyone's guess, and that costs a lot, a lot of money over time, and energy, and energy. Yep. I was just going to say, energy, <laughs> stress, anxiety. They say diversification is the closest thing to a free lunch, and in, in, when it comes to investing, and that that's so true. And people need to grasp that concept. And and again, going back to the point, it, sometimes I have clients that say, you, 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 "It sounds like you're lecturing to me." And it's not about lecturing. It's about we're so passionate in our beliefs and we've seen it work. So when we pound the table on diversification, this is what Peter and I practice personally in our own wealth. I mean, this is what we do. There's no advantage to us to say diversify, diversify, diversify. We're going to get paid whether you buy individual stocks or diversify. We, we just choose to work with those that understand diversification. But do you want to spend your life looking at the markets worrying on the TV and watching Bear Stearns, oh, a stock I just don't went out of business. Um, um, any, uh, I can name hundreds of stocks that have gone out of business. And do you want to be the one holding that? Why put yourself through so much stress, so much anxiety? Diversify your portfolio. 
like we do and like some and like some other very good advisors do. We own 14,000 stocks in 34 countries. You can't be more diversified than that. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to keep you from sleeping at night and never worrying about running out of money. And, and understanding that, look, the markets have provided historically 8 to 10% a year, historically, on average. Right. Why are we fighting that as an investor? Why don't we embrace it? Why do we say, well, I'm going to try to get 20%? Because in order for you to get that 20%, you're willing, willing to have a long-term return of zero or even negative at times over the long term. So the reality is the market is giving it to you historically. Why fight it? This has been a really great discussion, gentlemen. I hate to wrap it up, but we are running up against the clock. So do you have any final thoughts here on, on that you would like to share? The, the, the one thing I would say, you know, Peter, Peter, nor, nor myself, we have no shame you know, in admitting we don't know what we don't know. And, 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 it, and for two reasons, it really doesn't bother us. And it's clear that no one else knows either. And, and second, really over my wife and my, my remaining lives and those of my children for whom I'm trying to build my wealth for, it cannot possibly matter. So don't spend time on things that don't matter and spend all your time in those things that do matter most in your life. Peter, any final thoughts? I would just add, um, you know, make investing simple. It's just not easy. And so simplify it, understand the fact that, you know, I could make my life a lot more calm. I could spend more of my free time with my friends, my family, and those that I love. And not be so attached to the market movements every day and accept the fact that, look, I want to smooth the ride throughout retirement and, and coast into it. And how can listeners reach you? Wait, this is the most exciting part. We now finally <laughs> have we finally have a, an easy way. Go ahead, Peter. This is I'm excited about this. Yeah, you could always uh, log in or type in yourpathwaystowealth.com. Um, it's a brand new website. And as well as 631-777-1030, we're always here to answer any questions you may have. Well, congratulations on the website. Fantastic. One more time, what's the address? Yourpathwaystowealth.com. Awesome. And listeners, diversify your thoughts and your approaches to investing. Follow this podcast to hear Charlie and Peter's thoughts and share with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to your Pathways to Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at Wealth Enhancement Group or give us a call at 1-800-492-1222. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Wealth Enhancement Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.